0: You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Tracy Jones. Our guest today is Phil Paleo. Phil is the superintendent of the Christian School Association of Greater Harrisburg. He is a dear friend, and he has a passion for quality Christian education that impacts current and future generations. You are going to love hearing what Phil has to say about paying the price of leadership. Hi everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the tremendous leadership podcast, leaders on leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk to tremendous leaders from all over the world about what it took them to pay the price of leadership. And today, my special guest is Phil Paleo. He's a dear friend, brother in Christ. We've done a lot of different things together. We're going to talk about that. And he's local. He's from the same area, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So Phil is the superintendent of the Christian School Association of Greater Harrisburg. And this is a unified private Christian school district that operates Harrisburg Christian School and West Shore Christian Academy. So Mr. Paleo has a passion for quality Christian education that impacts current and future generations for Christ. Phil also advocates for Christian education as members of the ACSIPA, and the PA affiliate of the Council of Private Education. Phil also serves on the Lancaster Bible College Corporation and the Messiah College Presidential Advisory Council. He's happily married to his dear wife, Kristen, and has four children ranging from sophomores in high school to recent college graduate, Phil. I'm just so honored to be speaking with you on our favorite topic today.
1: Oh, It's great to be with you, Tracy.
0: Thank you so much. And I want to tell our listeners, so I met Phil when I moved back to the area. And my first dog, Mr. Blue, had written a book called True Blue Leadership. And it had a picture, kind of an artsy picture of a dog on the front. And everybody kept saying to me, hey, is this a kid's book? And I'm like, it's not a kid's book, but it's kind of leadership principles that are universals. It just matters how you contextualize them. So I took True Blue Leadership and I made it into From Underdog to Wonder Dog, which was the elementary school version of it. And so I had all these illustrations done. And then Phil invited me to come to what was then known as Harrisburg Christian School. And do this with the kids year after year. So then that's how From Underdog to Wonder Dog got published. And Boxcar Indie Goes to Dog and on and on and on. So Phil, you were the one that encouraged me that people would actually want to watch leadership programs from a dog's perspective. And you were the one. And then you pushed it out to everybody else in education. And it's just been a howling success since then. So thank you, brother.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Those kids loved that day and those days. And (laughs) It's just so much
0: fun. I know, it was just so much fun. And and it's been quite a few years, so I'm sure probably they're getting out and probably reflecting back, like thinking, hey, I wonder what happened to that lady and her dog. So (laughs) thanks again for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, so Phil, we are talking about leadership and there's a lot of different perceptions on leadership, but my father said that there's a price that you're gonna pay if you really wanna be a true leader. There's a lot of people that say it, but they're not willing to pay the price. And so he came out with this speech years ago, one of his most famous speeches called The Price of Leadership. And he talks about there's four things that you are going to have to expect and actually pay if you intend to be called a true leader. And the first one of them is loneliness. And we've all heard the phrase, man, it's lonely at the top. It's why very few people want to step and carry and wear the mantle of leadership. But can you share with me and the listeners what loneliness means to you as a leader, especially in the field you've been in and crafting the vision because you've been through a lot of changes since I have known you? And maybe a word of exhortation for some leaders that maybe are in a season of loneliness.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think of loneliness in leadership in really two ways. One, there's a personal aspect to it. And then there is a professional leadership aspect. The personal aspect is who does the leader go to to talk to someone, Uh right? As leaders, we're always on the stage. The hat of leadership is always on. We represent, we embody our organization. Where do we go to? And what I have found is I just have to be really deliberate to find a group of people, just a couple. I, I don't need a lot. Right. Just a couple people that I can go to. Some can be local, others of them live out of state or out of region where they just will listen and encourage. And I know that I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Then there's a leadership of loneliness as it relates to the profession, the the role as leader. And that to me, that is sometimes the leader has the vision and discerns the path that the organization should go. And that's not just because I came up with it, but after collaboration and reading and sensing direction, and that the leader will take folks. There's a saying that the leader takes folks where they need to go, but don't want to go. Uh, Yeah and never more was that true than when we brought harrisburg christian school and west shore christian academy together you know everyone talks about unity Mm -hmm. everyone talks about collaboration it's another thing to do it and to work hard at it and to be committed to it to sacrifice for it and so in the summer of 2016 the Christian School Association of Greater Harrisburg, which was doing business as Harrisburg Christian School, had an opportunity to acquire West Shore Christian Academy from Bible Baptist Church. And I wish I could tell you it was a simple one conversation. Everyone said, yeah, let's do this and move forward. It wasn't. It was a long, hard four or five month process of acquisition. And I found during that time when you're a leader trying to that you get a sense this is the direction we ought to go. And folks are a little unsure about it. There's a couple of things you have to do. Number one, you've got to focus on the why. Why on earth would we bring these two schools together? And for us, it had to do with three things. Number one, we wanted to elevate the level of academic offerings to our kids. Mm -hmm. The second, we want to increase the financial sustainability of the schools long after all of us are gone. Mm-hmm. And the third is we wanted to expand the witness and impact in the community far beyond what one school could do. Mm-hmm. And so over and over and over again, this is the why, this is what we're doing. And almost to be not content, but almost be able to go, okay, we can live in some uncertainty knowing that as we travel through that uncertainty, we do so together toward that outcome. Mm -hmm. I've often used this analogy. So wagon train was heading west. They knew they generally wanted to go from Missouri all the way out to Washington state. And so the map they had was pretty tenuous. Only a handful of people had traveled previously, Mm -hmm. but here's what they knew. We knew where we wanted to go and we knew we were gonna go together. And I think that's incredibly important because it does answer the loneliness question, right? It's that, okay, the leader's leading. He's sometimes lonely, or she is sometimes lonely. But if we do the why behind the direction we're going, the mission, the purpose, that ultimately drives us through the uncertainty, through the change, through the are you sure? I mean, even the Israelites, after leaving Egypt, Say to Moses, hey, weren't we better back there in Egypt? Right. in bondage. Yeah. Wow. The obvious question is, of course not. Right. But the uncertainty was so terrifying that it led them to ask that question. The same. And it's the leader that stands in the gap there.
0: Okay. I love that you renamed loneliness to uncertainty because, you know, my PhD that I just got was in a merger and how, even though it made perfect sense on paper... Uh, ah, you know, uh, just change, change, cra- change. Ooh, you know, what's that? Change is only welcome from a vending machine. You know, <laughs> nice. no, 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 no change. You know, kids yes. today are like, "What's a vending machine?" I'm like, eh, "Yeah, kind of exactly." But I love that you said that, and it is uncertainty, and the leader has already seen it. But you're the leader because you have seen it, and I love that you talk about that. It's okay to go through a space of this because it has to. Because if everybody already saw it you would already be there. You wouldn't have had to been the one to come up with this idea because everybody would have seen it 10 years ago and they already would have been this unified thing. So I love that you said you have to, I've heard it said is monitor the distress. So gauge the uncertainty, know that for a season, you may be just kind of out there winging it, not winging it, but on your own, a voice in the wilderness. But to stay- crazy, sometimes it feels like
1: winging it. Well,
0: I know. And I can remember for the listeners, I was in some of those meetings and everybody goes, well, in the beginning, a few- a few will come along. And then most everybody else, yeah, no. I've been through stuff where people vehemently fought me on it and tried to sabotage it. And in the end, I finally had to just cut and say, you don't want to go where we want to go. So the other thing is, we all have this weird idea of, I want to set the vision. And when people start setting the vision other than the leader, that's where we got to have Frank talks and say, if you want to do a school like this, then you go do a school like this. But that happens a lot in ministry. Everybody's like, well, I think the ministry should be doing this. So we're going to start doing this. And it's like, and the leader, the board, the founder ends up feeling incredibly lonely. And I always go to them because you are letting the inmates run. The, you're letting people do stuff and you have to lead it.
1: One of the very first things we did in the first full year together was we had two schools with two different mission statements, two different vision statements, two different sets of core values, lots of similarities, different right. language. Great. Right. So what we did was a collaborative process with our communities, with our faculty, with our board, and we combined, created a new mission, vision, core values, so that both schools knew, hey, listen, we are unified in this process. We may have some slightly different cultures and communities, but we're unified in this process under the same mission. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. I love it. So... That's great insight. So even with two Christian schools coming together, there Mm. are periods of loneliness. I mean, like I said, I've read books about churches that have split over moving an organ from one side to the other. So (laughs) (laughs) it's just human nature. And and leaders have to be ready for that. And I read this from my dad when I was little and it didn't scare me. As a matter of fact, it let me know, hey, when I will encounter it, and every leader does, if you don't, I'm not sure you're leading, just don't be freaked out. It's kind of par for the course. Now, if you're in it for years and years and years, then obviously there's something else going on that you need to really evaluate yeah. and make some other changes. But yeah. I thank you for being transparent with that. Yeah, I kind
1: of that's that. great advice your dad gave because I think we hold leaders in pretty high regard as if they don't feel this. Right, and right. And it robs the humanness of, what, yes. of leadership that I, I think kind of discourages a young leader or even an experienced leader. Oh, they don't deal with this. Well, no, maybe they do.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So that's loneliness. Thank you for unpacking that for us. The next one is weariness. Mm. There's good weary, there's bad weary, there's psychological weary, there's physical. What does weariness mean for you as a leader? And my dad always talked about it is when you're doing something worthwhile, you're all, don't be surprised because you're always going to have p- some people do more than their fair share and less and others do less, which is why I've, I've always been obsessed with followership because I'm like, but but how do you figure out how do you find the right ones and make sure that you stack the team with the good ones? What does weariness mean for you, Phil? How do you stay refreshed and replenished? Yeah. You're in the academic environment, especially now with all going on, you're dealing mm-hmm. with parents, you're dealing with kids, the most important years in their lives. How yeah. do you do it? Yeah. yeah How do you do it?
1: So weariness to me, I'll use a sports analogy. It's like playing a, an athletic event. Mm-hmm. And it's all good, and it's exciting and it's thrilling, and there's going to be an outcome. Yet, boy, are you ever tired? Yeah. Right? Or climbing a mountain, there's this hike you want to go on, and you're going to climb it, and it's wonderful. The view is going to be on the way up, and at the zenith is beautiful. But boy, are you tired? There is a degree in which any good work that you do is going to make you weary, Mm -hmm. tired. Mm -hmm. What's critical is to make sure it doesn't, in some regards, weary your heart. There's a scripture that says, don't grow weary in doing well. Right. It's the idea that in the process of doing well, you eat at your inside. And so, you you know, you mentioned the employee that doesn't work as hard. I think as a leader, I have to be careful. Mm -hmm. I I think I work pretty hard, pretty tirelessly, probably more than I should Mm -hmm. at times. I can't put that expectation on a person who maybe, in fact, is balancing their life a little better than me at that particular time. Right, right. The other thing I have to do is I have to make sure I love them that I guide them, I motivate them, I direct them in a way that works for them, but ultimately what is best for the school and ultimately, ultimately, what's best for the students. Mm -hmm. And so I think leadership, one of the best things I ever learned about leadership was the idea that it's okay to be different to different people. There is a degree of equity that you want to bring. But people are different and how you interact with them and, and how you direct them might be slightly different because it meets their particular needs, their particular personality. And so I think weariness is a real issue. in in the Christian school movement in the Northeast, we've seen a lot of leaders leave. And I think it's a culmination of it's not the lack of passion. It is the weariness has gone from being a physical thing to wearing on their heart.
0: Right. And then where do you draw your replenishment from? Do you have organizations above you that kind of provide you the support cuz you're pouring out into others, but who in your situation pours into yeah. you?
1: Yeah, so I've I've got some friends in in the Association of Christian Schools International that that encourage me. Okay. I have some folks who technically in the organizational structure are below me, mm-hmm. but are a great encouragement to me. I have a dear wife she encourages me my kids just make me laugh i find encouragement in my church community mm-hmm. in my quiet time in times of reflection but i got to work at it tracy weariness is always looming right and so if i'm not conscious of it that cloud can descend pretty easily right
0: absolutely yeah it does and and it's we're still flesh and blood and we need to really take time to go back to the well and replenish yeah otherwise burnout So thank you so much, Phil, for sharing with that about weariness. And talk to me. You said you had a quote about critics. I want to hear what that is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're in leadership, not even long enough, (laughs) you will have folks who criticize, right? Mm -hmm. I often have said, if it's not perfect, it's not good. And it's really hard to be perfect. There's a great Christian song out that perfection is my enemy. Mm. About someone just trying to be perfect. Sometimes as leaders, we think we have to be perfect. And some of that is, it's just the critics that you get, the email, the snide remark, the upset parent or, or student. But there's a great quote. I actually have it on my wall. It's by Teddy Roosevelt, who I used to tell students was a really tough guy. I mean, so tough that he got shot once in the chest decided to take his speech out of his pocket, which ended up saving his life because the bullet had gone through the speech and not through his chest. And he ends up reading the speech, delivering it, and then going to the hospital. But he said this about critics. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man has stumbled Mm. or where the doer of deeds could have done it better. The credit belongs to the man or woman who is actually in the arena, Mm. whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives to do deeds or who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he or she fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Any reason, Tracy, why you would wonder why I would put that on my wall?
0: No, I love it.
1: Yeah, I, I keep that pretty close to me.
0: Yeah, that, and that, and know. that's, oh man, and that's so good because there's certain some of this stuff, it's just par for the course. True. And I love it for our leaders out there. You do get better at it. My dad always said, you get a softer heart and a thicker skin. And so this stuff doesn't, you hear it, but you kind of just, it's par for the course. So I mean, you know, you look at people in politics and you're like, how can somebody do that? Well, you have to have a unique coding to do. You have to have a special hide, you know, to do that stuff too. So, I love that. Thank you, well,
1: You're welcome. And you know, for me, I think in your dad's quote, I think the softer heart comes more natural, right? I love people, I want to serve them. I'll do whatever I can to help and to bless people and encourage them. The hard part is the thicker skin. I know. It's personal, and so in some regards because the heart is soft, the skin softens a little, and I've got a, that's an area that I have to continue to, you know, that doesn't come as natural for me.
0: Oh, sure. Well, one of the, uh, there's a great book called Unoffendable by Brant mm-hmm. Hansen, and he's a wonderful Christian author. And that changed my life. Cause I was always like, I'm a task, I'm a justice person. So I was, mm-hmm. I'm always like, righteous indignation. He's like, you can't see people's motives. You have no right to be judgmental towards them. Now we have to judge sin, you know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. But I don't I don't know what's going on in somebody. So save yourself a lot of heartache and not get all bent out of shape out of this stuff. Yeah. Sure, you can have a discussion with them, but it really helped me orient myself and go, yeah. only that's... God knows why that person said that. I mean, it was like, man, spirit of conviction. And I read that probably at least once a year because that's something that I really have to, because I'm very quick that, 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 you know, the tongue can really destroy. Yeah,
1: so. no, that's right. That's yeah. a good word.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what about, we did loneliness, we did weariness. How about abandonment? Abandonment is like, ooh, scary word. But my dad was really kind of honing in on abandoning what we like and want to think about in favor of what we ought and need to think about. So yeah. I kind of look at it as a focus type thing. But can you yeah. tell me what you've had to abandon as a leader and what you'd encourage other leaders, some of the abandonment stuff they're going to have
1: to deal with? Yeah. So I started off as a teacher and then moved into administration and now the superintendency. And the more you move up, you move farther away from students. Mm. And I have told folks, is the greatest thing I've had to, to use your word and your dad's word, abandonment. The greatest thing I had to give up is the amount of time I have direct interaction with students. My first love is the development of Christian leaders and helping young people realize that leadership is influence, which means we can all be leaders. Mm -hmm. And we all need to develop that leadership skill in some form or fashion. And so in that regard, to me in the educational field, that's the great abandonment, which seems ironic, doesn't it? Because I lead an educational organization, yet it separates me from really our main focus is the kids. So What helps me as a leader now in kind of more of an administrative executive realm is asking myself a couple of questions. Am I staying focused on what matters the most, right? So of all the things I have to do, all the hats I wear, asking myself what matters the most today, this week, this month, this year. The other thing I, I ask myself is, is there someone else that can and should do it Or is this something only I can do? And when I say only I can do, it's not that, listen, you can get anyone to walk in, sit in this chair and do, but in the organization, as it currently is structured, is there anyone else who's doing this task? And if the answer is no, and it's in the realm of what I do, then I have to focus. If it's something that can be delegated out, then I have to do that in light of being Uh focused on the, the tasks. So... This area can be a struggle for me. I I joke with one of our faculty members that I'm an ADD administrator, right? Rabbit, squirrel, what, where? And so to me, it's a constant working toward and stepping back, assessing, prioritizing, making lists, and then working real hard at it.
0: I love it. Absolutely beautiful. And I love that about um, delegation. And and, another good book for that is Michael Gerber's The E-Myth Revisited. And he really talks about that at any time we're entrepreneurs, we're managers and we're technicians, but you should know how to do everything in the organization. But when you're up at this level, if somebody else, early church was growing, they had to delegate and that's why it continued to grow. So, I mean, that's, you got to abandon that. But I I love what you talked about the students, because that's kind of in the military. I worked on jets. Then you have to go to the Pentagon and and do a staff role. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't want to do that. I I just, and that's where I made the decision, Hey, I want to do something else because I really like in the fray where the rubber meets the road kind of thing. So I'm glad you stuck around, though, and and are now a little bit more far removed. But I see how the kids relate to you. So I still know you you still get your fix from that.
1: I often say it's my first love. Yeah. Interacting with the kids, teaching some leadership development classes to them. That's my first love. That's beautiful.
0: And you stuck with it, even though, you know, you're serving them in a different way. You know, you're a little bit more distant from them but as far as the chain of command, but you're still right there. So yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I love it. And that's good to people know as they climb the ladder, they're going to have to abandon some of the things they m- really maybe like to do a lot mm-hmm. and pick up other yeah. ones. All yeah. right. So the last one, Phil, is vision. And yeah. dad always talked about vision as just seeing what needs to be done and then actually doing it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So I always, I always used to laugh at that because I'm like, it's not some... A dove landing on your head saying, merp, this is what you do. Maybe yeah. it is. Yeah, no, you talk to me no. the vision. You know, you had the vision about combining these two yeah. entities yeah. together for economies of scale for other reasons. And what's next for your vision? How did you even bring the kids back to school this year? How do you get yeah. clarity?
1: Yeah, so great. You've covered a couple of things. So that vision, no, there was no dove no, <laughs> on my head, no burning bush, but there was, there was this sense in me Long before I even moved to Harrisburg, that the unification and the joint effort and the collaboration of Christian schools is a better approach than just trying to do it on our own. Okay. And it's hard. One of the great things of leadership, and when you're a person who has faith, is there's a journey that only you as the leader can walk on, walk through. And it's hard sometimes to fully explain it, but there was a sense we have to bring these schools together. And so it was birthed in Maryland when I was down there. And there were two Christian schools that were not far apart, but wouldn't play sports together. And then I came to Harrisburg and there were five Christian high schools within 10 miles of each other. And we're all kind of struggling financially, all trying to do best by kids, yet there's an inefficiency. And so there was always this sense, this vision of promoting collaboration, then to see the opportunity and the Lord bless it and, and folks to come together and rally behind it. I'm a vision guy. I'm a firm believer in the proverb that says, where there is no vision, people perish. Mm-hmm. While this is not true for all of it, but I think the opposite can also is true, That that is also true, is that where there is vision, people prosper. And that's true organizationally and that's true personally. And so leaders having a personal vision, having a professional vision. I will tell you the ultimate vision of bringing these schools together. I find in Psalm 78 says this, teach the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. And then Tracy, it talks about five generations, the ancestors, the parents, the children, the unborn and then the unborn of the unborn. And then it concludes this, teach the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, do it for five generations. And it concludes with, and they will place their trust in God. When I think about bringing these schools together, the hard work, the effort, the sacrifice that many people have made. And we are far from done. We are far from done. It's like saying after being married three years, oh, I've got this marriage thing down, right? No, not exactly. Right. Right. And so as we work through it, it's not only for the kids today, but the kids who aren't even born yet that will need a Christian education. (sighs) That's what we're about. In fact, I told a kindergarten teacher once, I said, that squirrely little boy and it's usually boy and squirrely are the same
0: things,
1: (laughs) who can't stay settled in their seat. If the Lord were to tarry, that is someone's great-grandfather. That's mind-blowing. It is. We are impacting a generation that we won't be alive to see. To me, that's vision of what Christian education is. That's what the vision of the Christian school association is. In fact, that should be every leader's vision of I'm going to make an impact, not only in this generation, but I'm going to leave something for the generation to come.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, you really define vision and your vision. And I love that you call you said the sense in me, because mm-hmm. you're right. When you get that calling, You probably had it early on, and it just, it's this like an orchestra, it's like a refrain that just keeps coming back in and out of your life at different times. And I read, I was reading a book on teaching the Jesus way, and it said, for Christian teachers, pick something, pick your mission or passion that heaven will cheer. And I know when you talk about leading on for an eternal legacy, that heaven cheers that because that's what we're supposed to do, you know, if we call ourselves Christians. That's right. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much. And is it any wonder to our listeners why you are completely in your gifting zone? It's such a joy. And I got to say, Phil, you throughout all of it, you're just such a even keel, optimistic, always above the fray, hopeful. Mm -hmm. You always look for the best. And I just so admire that in you. I'm more scrappy, (laughs) but you're just, uh, I'm (laughs) like, oh, if I could just be as as just gracious as you. Oh, that's,
1: that's too kind. I would actually flip it and and say the same to you, but I think you bring the the best out of me, Tracy.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks, Phil. Well, thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. And is there anything else, Phil, that you would like to leave for our, the leaders today? Anything else that really you just want to, while we have the floor with them, just some leadership nuggets you want to share with them?
1: Yeah, just be faithful. Mm. Just be faithful. Be faithful in your personal life. Be faithful in your professional life. There are times where you just want to go, hey, enough. Yeah. I've often said faithfulness is waking up, getting up, and going in to do it again the next day. Right. Okay. Eugene Peterson said faithfulness is the long obedience in the same direction. So, my encouragement. Not knowing where folks are at in their leadership experience and what they're experiencing right now, just be faithful. I love that. Be faithful.
0: I love that. Well, that's real world. You know, it's persistence, it's relentlessness. And, you know, the victory's won, but it ain't over yet. So you got to suit up and and keep on going. So thank you for that, Phil. I really appreciate that. Now, Phil, how can people find out? about you and your tremendous organization, if they have kids in the area or want to learn more about it or might consider moving to South Central PA because this exists, how do they reach out and find you?
1: Yeah, so they can reach out to me at phil.paleo, P-U-L-E-O, at dot org. And would love to hear from you, love to encourage you, love to share more about our, our school, its mission. And thanks, Tracy, for the opportunity.
0: Oh, you're absolutely welcome. And for our listeners, we'll put the links in the bottom too for Facebook so you can follow the school and see all the beautiful things they're doing. So, Phil, I just I absolutely can't thank you enough for the insights, scribbled down quite a few notes. And just you're always such an encouragement to me. And I'm so glad you've been a staple in my life since I came back. And so just thankful for that. And congratulations on the school year and just showing up and making it happen. I'm so I'm so proud of you. And I'm sure the kids are just loving it and being back to school. Who thought they'd be happy to go back to school?
1: <laughs> they are thrilled. They are back in school. They are loving the community, loving the education. And those who can't, right. we have offered them a flexible right. learning option where they keep their same teacher, same group of friends, and stay th- on the same course in their curriculum. So our folks are just ecstatic to be back.
0: I love it. I love it. And I can see the enthusiasm. I know you were leading up to this and I'm just so glad let's get it going and you found a way to do it. So to our listeners out there, if you liked what you heard, please be sure reach out to Phil, like him on Facebook, find out more about his school and subscribe to this channel and share. Do us the honor of a five-star rating. We would be so thankful. And to our tremendous leaders out there, thank you so much for tuning in for your desire to be developed and for listening to what it takes to pay the price of leadership. Have a tremendous rest of the day. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts, or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com.